On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. When director Kevin Lewis's friend Jeremy Daniel Davis sent him a script by G.O. Parsons, he read it and instantly fell in love. A silent janitor, stupid teenagers, killer animatronics. He only saw one actor in the lead role and knew they had to get him. Luckily for them, Nick Cage was more than willing to step in. After he successfully signed on, Going forward, Kevin and Jeremy were able to pitch the movie as Nick Cage versus Chuck E. Cheese, and it worked. Not long after, not only was the movie in production, but it also received a successful cult following due to what many fans saw as similarities to the one and only Five Nights at Freddy's video game series. Originally slated for a theatrical release, the movie Willy's Wonderland instead unfortunately had to have a VOD release due to the pandemic, but due to its already established following, was one of the top titles to rent while on VOD. Now it's available on Hulu, Redbox, and Crackle for your viewing pleasure. So stay away from those animatronics, especially overnight. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. I'm Brittany. We're back after a week gone. How was your Halloween, Brit? It was good. It so um my Halloween was not sad, but what was sad was that there was a lot of chatter for my neighborhood that supposedly they're like, did everyone not get as many trick-or-treaters this year? So for me and Taylor, we got about the same amount as we did last year. But there was a neighborhood, like two neighborhoods over from us that like cars were like flooded the streets. Hmm. But we had we had a decent amount of trick-or-treaters. There was some really like really really cute kids and some really just kids that said the funniest shit. So overall it was great. <laughs> we just kind of set out handed out candy. Uh, what about you? Did you guys have a good Halloween? It was good. We carved a pumpkin. Uh, my pumpkin was the one from Halloween 3. It was the pumpkin face mask. And then uh what did i do we roasted pumpkin seeds ate candy i actually got chinese food from my favorite chinese place on the street mm. um so it was good and yummy and it was like a halloween treat and we watched the five nights at freddy's movie and we had a bunch of kids come we had about the same amount as usual so we don't have a ton but more people on our street ended up do like decorating for halloween so we had a i think like a couple more kids than usual which was good because last year like nobody else did halloween at all except for like my house but we had like we like the first people that came by was like a little kid dressed in the scream costume was like oh yes and then there was a five nights at freddy's kid and like our last group were like teenagers and they were all dressed like two of them were dressed as witches and one of them was like a cheerleader and i was like oh it's nice to see like teenagers like trick-or-treating I trick-or-treated into high school because free candy. And I, yeah. like, I was like, well, I love dressing up. So, and also we had a lot of, like, younger kids who lived, we lived at the base of a mountain. And we had younger kids that lived at the top of the mountain that we went to school with. Because it was, like, a really big grade school. And our parents were friends. And so they would actually drive down to walk our neighborhood because there weren't enough houses at the top of the mountain. So, like, I was like, oh, I was kind of escorting them. But I was also, like... But I will also take the candy. Thank you. So it was fun. And then I dressed up as Pearl for Halloween at uh, yeah. at work, which was fun. Only like three people got it. But <laughs> that's okay. Everyone thought I was Lizzie Borden. 
like on the internet. Aww. Oh, Lizzie Borden. And I was like, Pearl, but you know, Lizzie Borden and Pearl have a lot in common. So it's true. I, I, you know, I will take it. It's fine. It was fun, I guess. It was pretty quiet Halloween. I went on a haunted hayride, though. Yeah. Which was fun. That's awesome. There's an old house in Montevallo that they're renovating, and they had a haunted hayride behind it. Like, it's, you would recognize the house if you saw it. Like, once we pulled up, I was like, oh, I know. It's like that. It's like an old, like, pre-Civil War house. And they apparently Ooh. Sherman's army marched through it, but it was, they put their headquarters there, so they didn't destroy it. So it's still standing, Mm. but they're renovating it so they can turn it into a museum. And there's a bunch of, like, land around it, and, like, it was a bunch of high schoolers raising money for their sports program, so it wasn't, like, the scariest thing, but it was, it was definitely fun. There was a couple jump scares. People were, there were a couple Jasons, a couple Michael Myers... And yeah, it was it was actually decent for a haunted house, and it was only ten dollars. So that's awesome. Yeah, all the other haunted houses are thirty dollars. However, they pay actors to be in it, so it's totally worth it. But I was like, hey, it's a steal because you know it's going to a good cause. And then I got a sinus infection last week because my allergies been going crazy. So if I sound sniffly, that's why. I'm ready for. Thanksgiving time. We've been going for like 30 degree weather changes. So it's like, I know we had a day where like the high was 61. And then we have a day where the high is 84. And we're just like, what the hell is going on here? It's like making everyone either like sick or like very like sniffly. Yeah. Well, and the good thing is like it hasn't gotten over like 82. And it's like a cool 82, which sounds crazy to people who don't live in the South. But I'm like, but it's a nice cool 82. Like I wore a sweater over my t-shirt and jeans today to work and I wasn't sweating. So it's been like 100 degrees the last couple months. I'm okay with it. I'd rather it be 65, you know. Yeah, me too. It'll get cold. We'll we'll be really chilly in like January and February. I just, I like fall colors. And, like, it makes me sad. Like, Brittany and Taylor took pictures for our Christmas cards. And, like, we planned it to be, like, a cooler time. And it was originally the temperatures were going to be low. And then there was a heat wave that came through. And they're like, oh, actually, this one day it's going to be, like, almost 90 degrees. But the next day it's going to be 50 degrees. And we were, like, tight. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make it work because I've already planned this outfit and it's fine. It's totally fine. It the will be fine. The pictures look really fallish, though. The foliage yeah. was popping. Like, that's yeah, the thing. It's I like, mean, it looks fallish. It's just the weather was hot. I was okay. Scott is already, like, hot-natured, and he was, like, pouring sweat. And I, he was like, I am so disgusted. I was like, it's fine. I was like, no one can tell from the pictures, and it's totally mm-hmm. okay. And no one will know, and it's totally fine. Um, Gizmo had a blast because he just looked cute. Yes. Um, all these people were Aww. taking pictures of their children and then we're like, ah, it's our tiny dog. <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> I like it though. But there's like, there was like a lady putting a baby in a pumpkin. I was like, not saying the baby in the pumpkin isn't cute. It is. But like, I'm like, you could put the baby in the pumpkin in your own backyard. Why put the baby in the pumpkin I in know. a public park? I was surprised they came in like the same time we got there and I was like I knew what they were doing because I saw this pumpkin with two holes in it I was like oh they're sticking a baby in a pumpkin but I was like but but both of the parents were dressed like they weren't going to be taking pictures of themselves so I was like obviously you're just bringing a baby out in the middle of nowhere I don't know maybe they live in an apartment or something. And they didn't have anywhere else it to take be. the picture. And we've, we've seen that before, too, where it's like parents are like, this is about my child. And we're like, okay. So the only thing I will say from a photographer's perspective, I do always feel bad. I want to, like, say this to any moms out there. So when you see, like, a picture on Pinterest of, like, this perfect picture of, like, a mother and her baby or, like, the baby... Like, just understand that that photographer probably took a hundred pictures to get that one picture. Because kids do whatever they want to do. And you can't get upset. Like, when, like, you have a photo session and your kid's crying or they don't want to cooperate. That's just a kid being a kid. So, I always feel bad because you see that over and over again where, like, parents will, like, get so upset. And it's like, look. I was like, it's okay. You just got to step back. Let them calm down. We're going to have fun. 
And then 15 minutes yeah. later, if they smile for 30 seconds, we'll get those smiles. So. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be fine. Yeah. And Dogs I mean, aren't very cooperative either. Yeah. Now, Gizmo, Gizmo's a cooperative person, like a, a cooperative dog. Like, Gizmo, like, is camera ready. Not all dogs are always camera ready, but Gizmo does a pretty good job. He so. does okay, except when I get my phone out to take a picture of him, he stops what he's doing that's so cute that I want to take a picture of, and he comes right up to my face, and it's like, hi! And I'm oh. like, that's not, no, we have to, no, but it's fine. It's like, it's cute. So, speaking of the movie, though, did, did you ever play the Five Nights at Freddy's games? I only played the first one, and honestly, I love Foxy, but Foxy did scare the hell out of me. He yeah. jump-scared me at least, like, two different times. So I wasn't, like, a religious Five Nights at Freddy's player, but my nephews were. They yeah. absolutely adored Five Nights at Freddy's. So. It's so funny. I have a couple of friends who are, like, teachers, and they, or, like, they work in like nurseries like preschool and stuff like daycares and i've had so many of them be like my five-year-olds are like or like three-year-olds are obsessed with five nights at freddy's and they like they have all the t-shirts and like the the toys and i was like at first i was like oh my god that's crazy but then i was like well i guess it's literally just jump scares it's really not anything grotesque or bloody that i remember playing because i've played a few of them, but it's been a while since I've played them. Now, I will say this is a spoiler, but like, I, I think it was like the second or third game and maybe the third game that they were like, oh, by the way, the animatronics are hunt, haunted, haunted by dead children. So that's like a little dark, but then it's yeah. also like, I'm sure you were the same way. Uh, when I was little, I like creepy things. Like, I love scary stories to tell in the dark. Mm-hmm. I love goosebumps. Like, I love being scared. Like, I would watch like, slasher movies so i mean i think it's just those type of kids like being scared yeah but i was like i was i was confused how they knew about it i guess was more of like i was like why Mm. do they know about five nights at freddy's oh youtubers yeah oh yeah that's yeah but i mean i will say even my parents used to laugh at youtubers getting jump scared by five nights at freddy's and it's pretty fun however um i think if you don't know i don't know because i feel like Chuck E. Cheese is still around, but not as prevalent. I don't know, because I don't have itty-bitty kids. Um, And most of my friends who have kids, like, most of their birthday parties for them are, like, at their homes. But uh, I remember Chuck E. Cheese and Discovery Zone were big things. I love DC. Big things when we were kids. There was also one... That I know about through Red Learner Media because uh, there's a big joke that uh, Rich Evans, when he was a little kid, had his birthday party at a Chuck E. Cheese-like place called the Showbiz Pizza Bear. Uh, Showbiz Palace? Was it called? Showbiz? No, it was Showbiz Pizza. And there's a bear who is their mascot. And there's a picture of him as a little kid and his t-shirt says, Dick the Birthday Boy. And he's next to the showbiz pizza bear. And it even got on, like, Ellen DeGeneres or something. But that is actually Rich Evans from Red Letter Media. And so there's also a movie called Trick or Treat with Alice Cooper and Ozzy Osbourne. Not in parts you would think they'd be in. And it's, like, a heavy metal band Halloween movie. And there's this someone is dressed as a showbiz pizza bear in another in that too so i think showbiz pizza and chuck e cheese were probably the biggest ones but they were like little clones dz i don't think had animatronics from what i remember they did dc dc discovery zone um basically it was like these jungle gyms like huge ass jungle gyms but there was like the rolly things you could like slide down and stuff Mm -hmm. and the giant ass ball pits you could swing over yes those are my favorite yes i love chuck e cheese and i had quite a few birthday parties at chuck e cheese but discovery Mm -hmm. zone was my absolute favorite so chuck e cheese has always had kind of a weird dark history there's always been weird rumors about like there was a whole conspiracy with like the pizza is reused or like the animatronics are gonna hurt you or something like that and i guess that's where five nights at freddy's came from but yeah apparently so five nights at freddy's came out in 2014 and in like 2015 according to gamerant.com 
that's when, like, the people who made Willy's Wonderland started, like, thinking, like, oh, that would be, like, a fun movie. But, you know, I guess they didn't get the rights because Blumhouse had the rights. But at the time, there were no plans for the Five Nights at Freddy's movie to actually come out. And obviously that's true because it just came out this October. So they were just like, yeah, let's do Willy's Wonderland. And so they made Willy's Wonderland. And then another company did another movie called the Banana Splits movie, which I think the Banana Splits mm-hmm. was an actual TV show, I want to say. Yeah, Way it back was. when. It really was. But this was basically yeah. another copycat kind of thing. So Willy's Wonderland, the premise isn't super original it is very five nights at freddy's but it's very different than the five nights at freddy's movie in a lot of ways yeah like it starts out eerily the same and i was really afraid that it was just going to be like that the five nights at freddy's movie had just copied the plot and i was like oh shit because like the first scene of both of these movies is like people trying to escape and then obviously they're killed by the animatronics and then it's just like title screen and I was like, oh, God, that's going to be the same thing. And that's not really what happens at all. It's very different. But it's weird because Five Nights at Freddy's has a very weird lore and a lot of rumors about it. There used to be all of these, like, movies made about, like, conspiracy theories. Why is Freddy Fazbear this, that, or the other? And I feel like Willy's Wonderland really feeds into this this whole like conspiracy theory stuff about like the the animatronics being haunted and stuff but i guess yeah i guess the five nights at freddy's movie did too but it was more centralized this one was a little bit i don't know interesting interesting did you i did look into kevin lewis and geo parsons this is geo parsons only credit so I don't really know what yeah. else they've done. Well, except for he was a writer for one episode of Shark Week back in 2011. I thought that which was a reality funny show. Because he has like, and, and he had like some acting credits. He was like on the episode of Criminal Minds and then the 2015 film Pure Love. But I read a blurb that it was like he was writing this because like he it was suggested to him like oh you need to get more of like writing credits under your belt is what I've read and then it ended up on this list I just completely blanked on the list that ended up on but basically there was like this list of like scripts that hadn't been turned into movies yet and it was like genre films what was it called isn't it a blacklist i thought it was like a hollywood blacklist blacklist is when if something's blacklist that means they can't work in hollywood anymore right so it's like i know what you're talking about though it's always everyone's like oh mm -hmm. it's on the list Oh no! Yeah, let us it's know. like a, it's like basically a list of like movies that they're like they're genre films and they're like oh this would be an awesome movie but they haven't been picked up. Yeah, that's where uh, his friend has seen it. He was like, hey, we saw oh, I saw this movie. You need to Black- read it. So the it was Kevin's friends, Jeremy. It was. It's called the Blacklist. It is called the Blacklist. There's a whole ah. like website about it. 2022 Blacklist best unproduced screenplays of the years revealed. Yeah annual blacklist archive but yeah with kevin lewis and i was like it was really really interesting reading about kevin lewis so he usually directs and writes his movies so he directed and wrote movies called i haven't seen any of these but like the method downward angel malibu spring break but this was like one of the only two movies that he directed like he didn't write the scripts Mm -hmm. but i don't know if you came across this katie so you know this movie ended up coming out during the pandemic and two weeks before it was released he actually ended up in the hospital with COVID. And mm. there's this article, director Kevin Lewis just released Willy Wonderland. Two weeks ago, he nearly died from COVID. And I was reading this article. It was from Kevin's point of view. And it was mm. talking about, like, like legit, he had a breathing monitor and he would have been dead. Like, they didn't think he was going to survive it. And his thoughts were turning to his wife of 20 years. He has four children. At the time, they were 16, 15, 7, and 5. And he was like, he just, and this is the quote he said. He, at the end of it, he said, so I am the janitor. I beat COVID like the nine foot orange weasel and I'm alive. So yeah, but it was like, if you read it, it's like Mm. harrowing to think what he went through. Because basically, they're just like, you won the lottery. When he got moved from the ICU to like the other floor, they're like, you won the lottery. Because not everyone is this lucky. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he was that close. That is very interesting. What I really like also about, like, so the one thing um, reading interviews with Kevin Lewis is that he's very much a talker. 
So they'll ask a question, and then, like, the response is, like, two or three paragraphs. But the thing um, I kept coming back to with this movie and his response about it was, like, yeah, you know, it's a genre film. Uh, I was really heavily inspired by Sam Raimi. Like, Sam Raimi, I grew up, and, like, the spirit of Sam Raimi was very strong in this movie. I can see that. He said it was an amazing atmosphere on the script. He said everyone came to work at the beginning of the day smiling. Everyone left at the end of the day smiling. Uh, it was very collaborative. And he was like, you know, and we knew what we were doing. He was like, you know, we weren't afraid to, like, make fun of ourselves or be tropey. So it's, like, just reading about it, it was, like, they were out, they set out to have a good time with this movie. And it seems like Nicolas Cage also set out to have a good time with this movie. Oh, yeah, but doesn't he always... Also, interesting, they actually filmed this in Atlanta, Georgia. In a desolated bowling alley in Sprayberry Crossing Shopping Center in East Cobb, Marietta. It's a 20-day shoot. Um, 20 days. That's quick. Yeah. And I have to say, the production design was probably one of my favorite parts, because it was, compared to the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, I feel like the production design was more colorful and therefore more believable as, like, a fun party place that people could be fooled by. You know, whereas Five Nights at Freddy's was, like, everything was dark. You could barely see Mm -hmm. anything. And it, the designs were still of the character, the animatronics were really good, but the actual Freddy Fazbear's was very dark. Um, which, personally, like, I liked Five Nights at Freddy's. I thought it was way better than I expected it to be, and it had way more of, like, some heart. Um, but it was, like, a silly movie, mostly. But, like, it had it had an interesting, like, plot line and had a lot of plot. This movie... Is a lot more, very, very light on plot and way more about just bashing animatronic skulls into the ground. Now, I. Which is fun. I will say my personal opinion with the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, like, according to, like, my nephew, like, the lore is there. So there's a lot of things that are, like, really cool and spot on. I don't. I feel like it kind of dragged. And also, I know it's a PG-13 horror movie, but The Ring was a PG-13 horror movie, and it just felt very tame. Like, there was nothing that really scared me. There was one scene that was like, damn, that's violent. And I'm sure you know when I'm talking about the bite scene. I was like, damn, that's hardcore. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, the only, like, hardcore scene in the movie. Everything else was kind of like, you know, it was okay. I guess I was left wanting more is my issue. Like, I... it. It had the bones to be something really, really cool and great. And I just don't think they went there the way they could have overall. I guess I wasn't expecting much of anything. So I was like, oh, there's an actual like plot to this movie. Okay. I do like Matthew Illard. I was, I was like happy that we saw Matt in yeah. there. It's fun to see Matthew Lillard. I also like uh, P- Peter Peter Mellor. Yeah, Peter. Josh Hutchinson. Josh yeah, Hutchinson. Josh Hutchinson. Uh, Beck. Beck from the first season of You was in there, so. Oh, was that who yeah, she was? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the police officer? Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew I, she looked familiar, but nothing pulled up that, like, I recognized her from. And I was like, I don't know why she looks so familiar. But that makes a lot. She's Guinevere Beck. If it was Beck, the only thing I also couldn't understand was that, like, she was talking about. She was like in the eighties when you know Freddie Fosbear was like the it thing, and she's like, she's like, and when I was a kid, they closed it down. I was like, so you were a kid in the eighties? Is this movie taking place in the early two thousands? They never explicitly say that, but I feel like there's no way that movie's taking place in the year twenty twenty three. Like, it feels like it has to be. No, it was. It was taking place in the year 2000. Is that what it is? Okay. Did they say that specifically or is that just like somewhere in the plot that they wrote it down as 2000? Uh, I don't remember if I read it or saw it in the movie. But yeah, again, I wasn't I wasn't really expecting much. So I was like, oh, that was good. This movie took a long time to warm up. I do up. agree with that. I was very on the fence at first. It, was, it starts very slow. One, Nicolas Cage doesn't say a damn word the entire movie. So that's always a challenge because I'm like, I, I mean, it's it, he has a lot of charisma on screen. So like, if anybody can make it work, it's Nick Cage. But I was very much like, okay, what's going to happen? And then they set one thing up 
and then they set another thing up, and then he's finally in the situation. And I was like, honestly, I was like looking at my phone, and I was like, is this like actually going to get going anytime soon? And finally, it does. And then after that point, it was very fun. But I was a little worried. At what first. I was going to say, and I, I stumbled across this where um, the slashfilm.com says, given the story's comparison to Five Nights at Freddy's, some wondered if the janitor was silent on purpose to reflect a silent video game protagonist. And I was like, okay, I like that theory, right? Yeah. But it turns out the only thing that nexus that theory is that, like, uh, Nick Cage did, like, a Reddit-like Q&A. And he said, like, the scripts, the janitor's lines were very, very sparse. So he actually worked with Kevin to be like, hey, can we just nix his dialogue all together? I think it'd be a funner acting challenge to just act with my face. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. Right. I like that video game theory because that would make a lot more sense. Because you remember, like, in, like, I think it's, like, Final Fantasy where you would go up and they'd be like, you're not much of a talker, are you? And there was, like, a scene where literally he's in the auto mechanic shop and, like, he's literally not fucking responding to the questions, but he keeps talking like he is. So I was like, oh, the video game thing, that's actually a cool idea. But it's not an idea that's supported by anything concrete, so. Now... Financially, unfortunately, because this one had to go to VOD, the budget was $5 million, which is pretty small for a Hollywood budget. But it only made, according to Wikipedia, $457,000. Oh, wow. So, it <laughs> didn't make even its budget back. But, you know, like, Scott watched this with me, and he was like, how did I... He had never heard of it. And I was like, I've been hearing about it for years, but I think it's the only thing I heard it from... Is like other movie people, like like people that review movies or watch like do obscure movie reviews and stuff like that. So I was like, maybe that's why I had heard of it before. And of course, this was requested by our editor Ryan. So of course, give a shout out to him because I know Scott was like, well, at the end of the movie, he ended up really liking it, and he was like, you know, that movie was really dumb, but it was also really fun. I said the exact same thing. I was like, well, thank Ryan. I was like, (laughs) I was like, thank Ryan because he's the one that asked. I literally had in my notes. I was like, this is kind of a stupid movie. But it was a fun movie. And I think Brian, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I yes. think Brian and Brian, you liked this movie, didn't you? Like you actually liked this movie. Um not saying like that's a bad thing, yeah, but just saying that I think, I think so. that was like Ryan's opinion was positive of this movie. So Yeah. I think if you like funny horror and you like the Evil Dead and more of the action especially if you like like Evil Dead three like army of darkness this is very army of darkness there's not a lot of plot and there's just a lot of kicking ass but it's also like a lot of jokes and it's very funny there are other people in this movie though i honestly thought it was just gonna be nick cage and animatronics and nobody else but there is like a b plot where this young girl live wants to burn down willie's wonderland because she has a vendetta against them and all of her i they seem older than high school, but she has to be under 19 because she has a legal guardian. Yeah. So I, they must be, like, seniors in high school. All of her friends, like, are helping her. And they're kind of tropey, like, token characters, but not too tropey, you yeah. know? But it's very funny. And I, there's some... I gotta say, most of them, like, there's, like, a kid wearing glasses who's kind of, like, the math nerd, and there's, like, the jock guy who's kind of a bully, there's the cute, shy guy that has a crush on Liv, and then there's this other guy who, who seems to be his whole personality is he has a hot girlfriend, and the hot girlfriend, Kathy, what the fuck was she wearing? You know what? All I- Not in, like, a... There was so much, so many different kinds of outfits that she was wearing. She's wearing, like, so I first see her and she's wearing, like, a leopard print jacket, which is very much, like, very much, like, ooh, I'm a sexy, cool girl. And she's got kind of, like, a vintage makeup look. And I was like, oh, okay. I see what she's going for. And then, like, you see the rest of her outfit. And she's got, like, a sexy bra, powder blue bra that you can see. But then she's also got a bustier top on top of that. And then she's got these really... Both low and short jeans. And I think you can... And she's probably also, like, sporting a whale tail, which is something I haven't seen for years. And then she's also wearing these rugby socks. And I was just like, there are so many different versions 
of a sexy cool girl outfit. It's like the costume department threw you up on this girl. You know what I was thinking is funny. You said that because all I could keep thinking, I was like, well, I even, I was like, that's how my friend Samantha dressed when we were in high school. It's like literally all I could think about. Well, it kind of looks like someone who's tr- not, this is not Samantha, but to me, it looked like a girl who was trying too hard to look sexy and cool in high school. Which maybe is very smartly what they're going for. Because, like, I didn't know how to dress myself in high yeah, school. Yeah, people just wore all kinds of things. But I was just, like, I was... Everyone else was dressed very normally. And then this girl was just, like... And she's wearing heels. And I'm, like, they're going to, like, burn down a building. Why would you wear heels for that? But it was just... I don't know. The acting was good. The actress was good. Okay. And I, I kind of... I liked her a lot. But I was just a little bit, like... Are they over-sexualizing her for the fun of it, or... I'm I'm sure Stephanie will, like, hear this and laugh, because I'm like, Samantha would wear heels to burn a building down. So, yeah, that is, like, a very valid choice for some people. I was just, I don't know. It seemed like they didn't really, like, have her character defined. This is not, like, not saying this is, like, the worst movie, but I do not think this is the strongest script. But what's funny is that there's there's no. a lot of people who have come up with like and as I, I don't know if we're officially in spoilers or if you want to get in spoilers because uh, this is this is a big cast. Be, yes. I don't know if we want to go for the entire cast because it's it's a pretty big cast, including out of the seven animatronics, six of them were stunt people in suits, and then one was a puppet. So it's like not even mm-hmm. going into those actors. It's a pretty decent sized cast. Well, I guess, I guess, do you have a rundown we want to do? And then we'll get into official spoilers. I didn't spoilers. have a rundown. I guess, I guess, like, I should have wrote a rundown because, but in my head, I was like, this is Ryan's pick. Ryan, you should have wrote a rundown. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I have, have one. one. Okay. I wrote Yay. one just in case. I won't say it's my Yay. best. But so this movie is currently streaming on Hulu and Crackle and mm-hmm. Redbox, I think is yeah. what we said. So be sure to listen to, I mean, not listen, to watch those. If you don't want to be spoiled, if not, we're going to do a quick rundown and then immediately go into spoilers. Um, So my rundown is a mysterious drifter with a trunk full of energy drinks and no words to say agrees to work overnight cleaning Willie's Wonderland in exchange for his sports cars repair. I thought it was a Camaro, but I couldn't remember if it actually was a Camaro. So I don't want to say that because... I can't remember what the car was, but it was pretty. But danger lurks in the friendliest of faces. So, spoilers officially now. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say about the spoilers? So, it's like, I, I don't know if you want to jump around with this movie because it's a little crazy. Oh, yeah. yeah um, There's not a lot of plot, so I feel like we can, you know, jump around. Oh, Oh, around, jump, jump up, down, jump down. Up and get down. So I, I'm one of those big subtext people. I try to read between the lines. And I was like, well, maybe this is the type of movie where they don't want to answer too much because maybe it's just like fun to just live in it and not to think about it too much. But then there's like brilliant people on like internet forums that are like, no, no, no. And so we basically find out like midpoint from the movie. So we don't really know. We we Nick Cage is the janitor, but then we're just like, okay, so the janitor comes in and no is just name. like fucking picking off these animatronics like they're nothing. Even though like in the middle of the movie lives like, hey, actually, you know, the owner of Willie's Wonderland, him and his six buddies, they died in like a satanic cult ritual because they were secretly killing people in the party room, blah 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 blah. And it's like, okay, so, like, how is it the town, like, able to kill the animatronics, but, like, Nick Cage as the janitor just comes in. And so there was a guy on, or maybe a girl, but the name was Sir Dan 3K, and I read this forum. And they stated that because of the deal with the devil, the animatronics have probably been destroyed before and have come back. And I was like, oh, that's pretty plausible if it makes sense if, like, they were destroyed and they came back. And he said the janitor is maybe an angel or some other supernatural being. He knows how to avoid the rituals to end it. He knows he can't destroy the animatronics unless they're attacking. He has to survive the night. He has to clean the place. And he has to take breaks. And I was like, that's really fucking brilliant. Because why was it so important for him to take breaks? And I'm like, oh, what if he had to take breaks to be able to destroy him. So Scott said the same thing because we were like, we're like, why is he able to kill him? He's like, what if he's an yes. angel? 
Because that's the thing, when, when the character doesn't talk and has no background, you start just making things up. You're like, well, what if it's this? What if it's that? Which is part of the fun of this movie, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I buy the power drink thing, though, because he gives it to what's-her-face in the end of the... to live mm-hmm. in the end of the movie, so I don't think that was... That was weird. I was confused at first if it was a power drink, an energy drink, or a beer, because you don't really see the full label until midway almost to the end of the movie and like it has a little phrase like you know giving you the buzz or something like that and it's it's a who's it power fist or something or power punch power, power pu- punch. Oh, punch something punch i was like oh like so i was like is it punch drunk is it like beer and so i wasn't sure if he was a had a substance abuse problem and therefore had to like drink it or B was it an energy drink and he was just trying to stay awake and so he was drinking one every so many minutes which I think was probably the logical but I like that maybe he's an angel or maybe he's like a silent hero like I don't I don't mind that theory I don't know if it's true, yeah. but I don't mind that theory. Well, someone actually asked in the Reddit forum, uh, they actually asked in this case, they're like, so is the power punch, is it like, they just like you, they're like, is it a beer? Is it energy drink? Like, is it a seltzer? And Nick Cage was like, I know what I think it is, but he's like, I want to know what you think it is because he's like, you all have the right answer. So, like, he wouldn't really say, like, what he thought My God, it was. Nick Cage, you're being Neil Breen. It, ha- it is an energy drink because it has it on the on the can. I do also have to say real quick while I'm, ta- while, while I'm thinking about Nick Cage. So, so funny. This movie is so freaking collaborative that originally Artie the Alligator was a dog. And it's actually because Nick loves reptiles so much that they changed it to alligator. And Kevin Lewis was talking because the interviewer um, for one of these sites was just like, you know, there's like this rumor going around that Nick Cage will just take anything for a paycheck. And Kevin Lewis is like, that's actually really offensive because he's like, Kevin, he's like, Nick is, uh, he's like, he's a wonderful person. He's like, literally on the day we wrapped, he was like, there was a line that formed around the entire building and Nick stayed and signed every single picture, Blu-ray, everything that people brought yeah. to him. He's like a good person, genuinely. And I thought that was really nice. Yeah, I think he genuinely is a very sweet person. He And I think now, I think starting around the time Mandy and Willie's Wonderland happened, I think he was getting to a point financially where he could pick passion projects again. But he mm-hmm. had a string of bad luck. Last podcast on the left was just doing Madame LaLaurie from New Orleans uh, story. Mm-hmm. And they start, brought up Nick Cage because he actually bought her house in another a haunted church in New Orleans. And while he owned her house, he found out that his, like, one of his accountants had embezzled a bunch of his money and mm. he that's why he was in like some financial trouble so he had to sell the church and the and the lalori mansion but he has a pyramid shaped grave in like the very fancy i think it's the saint louis graveyard because someone told him that he had a curse from the lalori mansion and he had to buy a grave plot there and he kept it because I think he also just likes New Orleans. But he did have financial problems. And he also had, like, stock market issues. Because it was right around, like, t- I think it was around, like, 2008 was when all this happened. So for a while, he did owe the government a bunch of money. Because I guess, I think what happened is the people in charge of his money weren't paying his the taxes they were supposed to. They were taking mm. that money. And so he had to basically take a lot of things that an actor of his caliber, I would be surprised if he would take. You know, like there's some movies on Netflix that he's in that are just absolutely piss poor and awful. And you can tell his heart's not in it. And it's not his fault. It's not like he's doing a bad job. It's just the production value sucks. And obviously, like, he didn't have a director who was passionate about it. And it's very hard to be a productive actor when you don't have a director who's actually directing you. But... I think at like around the time he started doing like Mandy and this and the last few years, it seems like he's more able to stick to projects he's actually passionate about. So it's interesting that I get why that person asked the question, but I it doesn't seem like this movie was part of that equation at this point. I think yeah. 
That's a very generalization. I would kind of be offended. Now, I'm I'm really glad that Kevin, like, stood up and was like, hey, no, he's actually a really lovely guy. It was a very collaborative yeah. process. But I was, I would be like, what, what are you implying that he had to take my movie? Like, I don't yeah. think any of you were meant, like, malice by it. I just thought it was a little out of left field, honestly. He's also, like, such a fanboy because, like, literally, um, Kevin was also mm-hmm. saying that, like, for this movie, he was channeling Charles Bronson from Once Upon a Time in the West. He's like, it's his favorite <laughs> movie. Uh, so it's, like, literally, like, imagine, like, being in a movie and going, I'm gonna, like, pretend I'm, like, this character from this movie because I really love it. So I feel like he has, like, this very, like, kind of fun-loving just creative energy and i always joke i'm like so you get nick cage like you know once again we're talking like mandy or like pig nick cage or willie's wonderland nick cage that was the one i was forgetting academy award-winning nick cage i do love that this movie did have that challenge if he doesn't say a line because that's usually the thing is like with nick cage is like oh he's gonna say he's gonna yeah he's nick cage Ah." and it's like but he's a really good actor I mean, we saw Mandy and Pig. He's great. I know. I love Pig. And, like, that's the thing. It's, like, he's, like, I heard he, I was reading that he improvised the pinball dance, which is, like, actually, it's interesting. Because Kevin Lewis also said, you know, over and over again, like, people will say their favorite parts of of this movie is, like, Nick Cage cleaning. And I was like, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I love those scenes of him just, like, cleaning up. Like, yeah. And, like, he's, like, dancing. And, like, I love the soundtrack for this. Like, the original songs are, like, Uh really bops. I really like them. Also, the use of hands shoulder the head shoulders knees and toes use was the yeah. fucking funniest thing i'd ever heard i just started laughing hysterically i mean I think, I think that's the biggest pull to this movie is it's very funny it's got a lot of just like awkward moments and it's also just kicking ass if we do want i will mention a couple actors so we mentioned Liv. i feel like we should at least say her she's probably the the secondary main character uh played by emily tosta or might be Tosta. Um, she's uh, in Mayans MC. So that's, I believe, the... I don't want to say sequel, but like the break-off show from Sons of Anarchy. And she was in the Party of Five remake that they did. And then also an episode of The Resident. And also we see... I love this lady. Beth Grant as Sheriff Lund, who's like her guardian. And the sheriff of the town, who... Sorry, I was like, as soon as I saw her, I was like, sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. That's like the oh, yeah. very first thing I thought of. <laughs> yeah. So she was in, she was the crazy PE teacher in Donnie Darko, um, which I finally did see that. And then also she was on the Mindy Project and No Country for Old Men and Little Miss Sunshine. But my favorite thing she's ever done is playing Dwight's babysitter slash hot date for the dinner party episode and like one other episode yes. of The Office. And it's the one where Jim's like, can can I get, I would just, I have so many questions to ask you. Can I get your email? And she just goes, email? And he's just like, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Love it. But she's really funny. She's been acting for decades. Um, so it was fun to see her. I did think it was funny. There were a couple of the actors who just like do a lot of straight to television, like Christmas movies, like the guy that played Tex, the guy that owns Willy's Wonderland, uh, Rick Wright's. Uh, like he's been, he's like has three different Christmas movies from like recent years on his resume, and it's Christmas in the Conway, Christmas Deja Vu, and Christmas Everlasting. Also, the actor who plays Bob, who's the guy that dates Kathy, the girl in the weird outfit, has been in a lot of cool movies like Judas and the Bla- Black Messiah and Block Party. But, like, also he's been in a bunch of Christmas movies, too. I was like, it's Christmas time. So if you want to go see some Christmas movies, the two that I saw was A Wesley Christmas Wedding and The Christmas Lottery. And that is Terrell Hill? T-E-R-A-Y-L-Y-E? I may be saying that incorrectly. I've never seen... Terrell? Or maybe it's Terrell, and I'm just mispronouncing it. Anyways, Mm. that's how it's spelled, and um, he's there. Uh, Also... The girl who plays Kathy, her name is Kaylee Cowan. IMDb called her a method actress. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she was like in character the entire time they were filming this movie. Oh, I was like, okay. interesting. I, it's always a red flag for me, but her performance was fine in this movie. I thought she did a good job. She was pretty funny when she and Bob, right before they get murdered, they're like fucking on a, like a blow up bouncy house. And it was very funny. It was a whole like, 
oh, the alligator's watching us. He's like, yeah, give him a show, baby. And I was like, oh, Which no. is, like, it really bothers me because they're literally, like, all talking about, like, how, like, the animatronics will come to life and kill you. And yet they still get horny yeah. enough to screw and then when the alligator's literally staring at them, already staring at them, they're just, she's like, it's watching us. And it's like, yeah, because you just had this whole conversation about how the animatronics yeah, kill people. Yeah, I didn't understand what how they, think happen? they split up. So, like, the first guy to get killed, because the whole thing is, like, the kids go to help live, set it on fire, but they want to get the janitor guy out because they know that they've been sacrificing drifters for years to keep the town safe from Willie and his friends. Um, the first guy that get, gets, like, impaled is, uh, Chris Del Grosso as Aaron, who's been in Mom's School Spirits and Disconnected, who I just wrote as the douchebag character because the Chris, who's played by Kai Cadlick, um, he has a crush on Liz and he just keeps making fun of him. He gets impaled and then everyone's just like, yeah, it's just like, go separate. I'm like... So they can find you faster? I don't get it. I will say, the guy that had, like, kind of an interesting kill, it was a weird kill, was Dan, who's played by Jonathan Mercedes. I do want to shout out, he is a st- primarily a stunt actor. It's the guy with the glasses. In, mm-hmm. And he was in Red Notice, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Menu, which we've done on the podcast, and Judas and the Black Messiah as a stunt actor, but he's also done just, like, regular acting gigs in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Truth or Dare 2017, and Cobra Kai, the, the television show. It's so weird because, like, there's a bunch of flashing lights and there's, like, two of them are talking to him. And I think he's the one where Sarah Siren, Siren Sarah, like, just, yeah. like, flips him over, like, does a somersault with him and then just, like, kills him. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? And then, of course, there's also the deputy who's played by David Sheftel. And I think that's... I, I did write down all the Willie and Friends people, too. But we don't have to necessarily go through them. It is interesting. Some of them had the same voice actors as their body work. And some a lot of them had, like, different voice actors than who was doing the body work. The only one that is, like, funny to me was Siren Sarah... Because, like, it's obviously... She had the same voice actress as her body actress. And it's obviously just a person in a fairy... Like, a Tinkerbell costume. And then she has, like, a mask on. But, like, she just moved her body so it looked like she was an animatronic. I thought Tito the Turtle was pretty funny. Oh, he was fucking hilarious. Oh, no, I just thought Siren Sarah's was, like, the weirdest because it was obviously... It was like they ran out of money or something. They were like, everyone else has this kind of elaborate costume except for Siren Sarah. She's just going to be in a dress and then she has a mask. But she did have more... She must be, like, a gymnast or something. The woman who plays her, her name is Jessica Graves Davis because, like, she did do a lot of, like, cool body work. Which was fun. I think it's interesting because this another thing I do like about this movie is almost entirely practical effects. Like it's largely, largely yeah. practical effects because he was like, he was like, we wanted to do a movie that was like a homage to the eighties, but not set in the eighties. So and that did come across with the practical effects, but it was Cammy yeah. Chameleon's tongue is one of the only things that was CGI, and yeah. um, Cammy the Chameleon. Like, that death scene made me really upset, even though I had a feeling she was being dishonest. It still, like, made me really sad. Yeah. Poor Chris. Chris was probably the saddest death. I felt bad for Kathy. I want to say, I want to say I felt bad for Bob, because he did try to get the fuck out twice, and he never left. Mm -hmm. But he was the one that was like, no, baby, let's give him a show. So, I don't know. But I felt bad because Kathy was like, no, no, poor Kathy. Did you see on Wikipedia, and I was not able to look into this more, but supposedly there was comics that were released as tie-ins. And, like, each of the comics huh. was, like, about, like, a character that goes into animatronic. And Cammy's story was, like, the, the, the woman she was, like, had two split personalities. And I'm like, oh, well, that gives more, like, a layer to the scene, too. But I would have had no yeah. idea if I hadn't read about that more on Wikipedia. And unfortunately, I was not able to read any of the comics. So I, I, I can't really speak on it further. Oh, no. Who was your favorite death of the, not of the people, the victims, but the animatronic deaths? Oh, that's hard. I, 
I don't know. I maybe have to say Willie, uh, just on my first watch, just because, uh, you know, it's like, Willie is like a badass. Like, he's the last one, and he actually gets some, like, hits in on the Jander before the Jander goes, like, super crazy on him. Yeah. Um, what about you? What was your favorite? Was it, maybe, uh, maybe it was Tito at the very end, because the car oh, thing that's was really funny. funny. And Yeah. But I also really, really liked the setup with the with Cammy and Siren, Sarah, because mm-hmm. they just are playing heads. Nick Cage turns on the jukebox, like, in a really cool way, and it's just like, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. I was just like, what is happening here? I lost it. I like but, that he, um, like, almost, like, he crushes, like, Siren Sarah's head, like, with his, like, legs, too. Yeah. Like, essentially, like, right? Ooh. It's kind of erotic, but then he doesn't, and Mm -hmm. then she ends up... I guess, okay, do you think that she actually blew up? Because she does, like, fly back. Do you think they're dead now? I feel like, yeah, especially... So remind me, is the building... Like, I remember Tex Max do... No, the building doesn't get destroyed because they're talking about reopening the building. I don't know. I don't know about the the open ending. But it doesn't at first, but at the very end, Siren Sarah lights the car on fire, and because the, yeah. the teenagers had put the gas everywhere, the whole building explodes. <gasps> That's right. Or it catches on fire. They don't really show it exploding, but you see explosions in Nick Cage's sunglasses, and you're like, That's oh. right. Or in the rearview window or something. And so That's one of the only other CGI's, okay. Yeah. So I, th- I, think, I think they're all dead. And they ran over Tito because they had to like rip them apart like zombies or vampires in yeah. Twilight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I personally think they were dead. I will say the music was done by the same person who did the voice of Willie, and it's, That's they funny. have like a one name. It's M O I E M O I or Emoy. I'm not really sure. There was like a little asterisk on the eye, so I'm not sure about the pronunciation. I did. I did really like the pinball machine stuff. That was fun. I love that they use oil as like a substitute for blood, just so they can be as like gross as they want to without actually having blood everywhere, mm-hmm. which was nice. Like they had a little blood. Did you think? I kind of liked that every animatronic had a different fighting style. It reminded me of Scott Pilgrim. How they all yeah. had, like, a different instrument they played or a different way to fight or a different kind of music to fight against. And I was like, oh, it's very, very Scott Pilgrim of them, uh, which is a compliment, obviously. Yeah, I think, I think I said all my pros. I will say, why do you think that the janitor kept cleaning up? Even after he knew the, the jig was up. Do you think he's just an honorable man? I do like the theory that, like, he knew he had to. Like, it was basically, like, a part of the ritual. Like, he's like, oh, shit, I have to do this. But, yeah, there is something, like, I guess innately good about him. But that's where it's almost like... Okay, if it's not, like, a part of the ritual that he knew he had to clean up, it's almost like it has to be, like, obsessive-compulsive or something. Because literally, his watch goes off at one point, and he hands Liv back her knife to fight, like, Siren Sarah by herself. Or, no, Cammy Chameleon by herself, and goes and does his thing. So, I was like, there's something going on there, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely weird. Um, And you never really learn his background, But it's kind of fun, and it's cute. Like, okay, the one thing that kind of bothered me about him and Liv was, like, they kept staring at each other. And I was like, and again, Liv is, the thing is, like, the actress is probably in her early 20s. But, like, I think she's supposed to be playing, like, an 18-year-old, like, an older teenager, but a child. But they kept staring at each other. I was like, I'm leaning towards a father-daughter bond. Because her parents were killed. Her parents were killed like he was supposed to be, were sacrificed. And she was left. And that's why the sheriff adopted her because she felt bad. But I was also like, but they just keep staring at each other. And I just, I need to be assured that there was nothing weirdly romantic going on. And it was just a weird I thought vibe. that was a weird, I thought that yeah. was a weird choice too. Like now that you mention it, like, yeah, I caught up on that too. And I was like, this is a weird choice. But it's not like, so this is the thing with Nick Cage. He does not like ooze any kind of like romantic (laughs) bit in this movie like he's very like straightforward I almost feel like I this is not supported anyway but especially because she leaves with him at the end I almost feel like if he's some kind of like knight like 
uh, not necessarily holy, but if he's some kind of supernatural being, Guardian it almost angel. feels like he takes on Liv as a protege to also mm. be like this kind of like warrior too, yeah. right? Because she's a survivor. Yeah. I don't know. Was there any negatives or positives you want to point out? I think you covered a lot of what I, I thought too. So I, I thought fun music. I did love the music. I liked like the Willy's Wonderland theme when Nick Cage is playing like the pinball machine. I was like, yeah. Nick Cage is so silly. Um, I put, <laughs> I wasn't for sure. I liked the teenagers. Like I went back and forth. I was very much like you. I was like, oh, do I like these characters? Like, and obviously in the movie, you know, they're all going to die because they're teenagers. But um, right. I was like, Poor I don't know kids. if I like these kids or not. But I get what they were trying to do. It wasn't a great movie, but it was a lot of fun. I did... So I I know this was a purposeful design because um, he was saying, the director said like, hey, so because we only had 20 days, I had a shot list of like, I knew every scene, what camera I wanted to use and what angle I wanted to do. So I know everything was very specific, but I thought opening shots in the movie, the way they kind of texturized and grained and everything, I, I honestly thought it looked like it was shot on an iPhone. So I, I wasn't yeah. for sure what- In the rooftop it, scene. The rooftop yeah, it was scene like, looked like the the scene from the room rooftop scene. It was mm-hmm. like a green screen or something behind them. It looked very fake. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I know a lot of his choices were very very deliberate, so I'm trying to understand that in my head. But like outside of my research, if I hadn't if I hadn't researched this movie and known that these choices were very deliberate, I just thought it was poor crap, craftsmanship in some of the yeah. scenes. Honestly, which I mean. I think I think the reason that the roof scene was so fakey looking was because then they fell through the roof and I think it was to accommodate maybe the stunting part mm-hmm. you know I get because maybe they had to be on the sound stage to make it drop underneath the actors I don't know yeah. I didn't like the way the opening scene with Liv's parents were even shot though like it yeah, felt that like was real it, you know, silly. You remember Unsane that we did that yeah. was shot on the iPhone? It looked yeah. like Unsane, honestly. Yeah, it did. It did. There was a lot of blurriness and a lot of like, and Unsane looked amazing, but this one was like not so amazing, I guess. All in all, I do think if you like Nick Cage and you like animatronics getting their butts kicked and their throats ripped out like that scene in Roadhouse, uh, Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Um, <laughs> then you probably will like it, but it does take like a good like 20 minutes to get going. What did you rate it out of 10? Uh, I'll be honest, I went back and forth between a 5.5 and a 6, and I, I think I leaned towards a 6 just a little more. I agree with you. It's funny because sometimes me and you have very opposite opinions, and then other times it seems like we have yeah. like the same train of thought. Yeah. And I agree with you. This was like a slow opening, but it did get a lot better as the movie progressed, I think. I think I was a little softy and gave it a 6.5. Five, mainly because I laughed so much. But mm-hmm. at the beginning, I was going to give it a five. And I was like, you know what? I did laugh a lot. Um, did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating for it? Mm. I did. It wasn't my best one. So I rated it P for pinballs, punches, and pop. That's good, though. I had, I had two. Okay. I had rated S for silent saviors and scary sirens. It's a lot of S's. Whew. And yeah, then I, like it. I had rated F for face feasting furries. Oh, I can both for different reasons, but I don't know if we've ever had an F before. Not often. We have a lot of S's. Yeah, F may be good. F may okay. be good. I like F. I thought of yeah. it on a whim. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's Willy's Wonderland. We had more to talk about than I thought we were going to about it. For sure. Yeah. Cause it is, mm-hmm. it's fun. I think if if you want to see a fun silly movie, watch it on Hulu, and support some independent creators. It isn't. I wouldn't say it is such a ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's because like you're not a security guard. He's janitor. It's not like there's not the Five Nights. It's one night. Like it's different enough that it's not exactly the same. And Five Nights at Freddy's without Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz Pizza 
wouldn't have existed anyways. So it's kind of like yeah. everything's derivative of each other. This movie was definitely, and uh, Kevin Lewis even said it, he was like, this was meant to be like the movie you saw at midnight with like a group of people and like the theaters. And he right. said that um, they, he was able to see a drive-in experience where they played the movie. And he said people were flashing their lights and honking horns at certain scenes. And he was like, he was like this is what I envisioned. I envisioned like a lot of people getting together and watching this at midnight. And I was like, you know what? That is a perfect movie for that. Like, I will give yeah. it to him. This that would be a good. This would be a good movie for that. So next next time we will be doing a joint episode. Yay! Do you want to announce what it is, Britt? Yeah, so I know Katie is so excited. <laughs> this is going to be her favorite movie of the year. Uh, we are partnering with Syndicate Podcast Yay, to do... That part, that part I love. We do. We love Syndicate. Uh, we are doing Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Just in time for Thanksgiving. So. It's my nightmare. <laughs> Come yeah. true. We've we've gone so long with no Eli Roth movies on a horror movie podcast, and finally you're there. You're gonna be shaking, uh, like as you're like going to swipe your credit card for the tickets. You're gonna be like shaking, like you're just like, oh god, I can't believe oh, yeah, I'm spending money be on in this. Theaters. I have to go see yeah. it in theaters too. You do. You can you can go to a matinee, Katie. <laughs> save a couple dollars, you know. So oh my god, just so you're not you're not fully funding Eli Roth. If y'all haven't listened. Eli Roth is very similar in my brain to Rob Zombie. Like, I know that he <laughs> loves the genre and I want to like his movies. But every time I see an Eli Roth movie that he has directed, I just feel gross and I don't enjoy them. And it's it's gore for the sake of just being shocking. I will admit too. I will admit too. This is this is gonna be a hard watch for me. I I agreed to do it with Syndicate uh, because like I was like you know what, it'll give us a lot to talk about. Um, and also it's a Thanksgiving theme horror movie. I thought that would be a fun thing to do. But I'm just like I'm not a big gore porn person. And everyone who knows me knows I have a weird thing about ovens where it's like I scream. I'm like get back, get back. And uh, and we we know that there's a woman that's literally stuck in an oven in Thanksgiving, oh, so I'm already trying to mentally prepare myself for that scene. But yeah, I'm excited to be with, to to hang out with Syndicate again. It's gonna be really fun, and I apologize for my ranting in advance. Who knows? Maybe you'll like this one. Like maybe you'll be like, maybe. Oh, I actually didn't hate this. Like I don't maybe know. it's possibility. Maybe. But yeah, I guess we'll. I guess maybe we'll uh, we'll start wrapping we'll up and we'll saying see side our sidetracks. Yeah. Before yeah. Then. Saying our good nights. Good night. Happy November. Hope you all had a safe Halloween, and uh, be good. Be happy. Get vaccinated. Uh, take care of your sinuses and your allergies because they're crazy up in here. And yeah, just be awesome. Um, but yeah, love each other. Uh, wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Uh, take care of your fur babies and yourself and your friends. And be safe. Holidays are tough. And people, seasonal depression is real. And the holidays can be full of anxiety. So remember to take time for yourself. And to know that like a present isn't worth bankrupting yourself and a present isn't worth stressing out and the people that love you don't fucking care about presents and it's okay if you can't make every christmas party or thanksgiving friendsgiving thing sometimes it just doesn't happen and sometimes you have to take time for yourself and that's okay and just be good to one another and have grace with each other throughout the holiday season because I know we all get stressed out and we all yell at each other over stupid shit that we don't really care about so just chill out relax and take time for yourself anyways we love you be safe and we'll see you next time yeah I'll make it uh, uh, echoing everything I agree with everything Katie says so I'll keep it short spay and neuter your pets take care of yourselves and one another and we just look forward to seeing you next time same spoopy time same spoopy channel yes same spoopy y'all bye bye everybody night night
The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.